I know we don't do a lot in terms of uh, continuity on this show, but I wanted to sort of end the serial trilogy, if you will, with some interesting events that happened yesterday. Okay, okay. Let me okay. see if I can predict which sort of storyline we're following. Is it has something to do with an egg sandwich? Well, no, it's it's about the cereal. cereal. Oh, the cereal. I thought, Not okay, C- yes. S-E, yeah. Yes. Do it's, you wanna, a, it's a cereal cereal, right, it, technically? It, it is. Do you want to bring people up to speed with where we are so far? Russ so, had a lot uh, of cereal. Russ had 18 boxes of Frosted Mini Wheats, and he got hit by a truck, and they went flying everywhere, and it was hysterical. Yeah. I remember that. That that brings up brings us up to speed. So so last uh, I would say month or so I've been having some difficulty swallowing, which was weird, and so I went to and it's because you're trying to eat too many frosted mini wheats. You got uh, too many of them in there at once. You are surprisingly not that far off base. I went Holy to shit. a uh, ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor yesterday, um, and uh, they were very curious as to why I felt that way. And apparently, the only way to look into it is by sending a camera down there to check things out. Yeah. But apparently the mouth is not where you send that camera. It goes right up the old schnoz. Oh, no. Oh, beans. Yeah. So they so they sent a camera up my nose, and he's like, yeah, you probably have acid reflux. Um, here's some medication, and uh, just like be mindful of what you're eating. And then I, I did a bunch of research. So now, in hindsight, it turns out that maybe having a bowl of cereal every night before I went to bed for the last mm, six months, not the best idea. I go, I mean, I love that. I used to do that all the time. I love that. That's a, such a w- pleasant way to relax. What problems did it cause you, Russ? Uh, horrible acid reflux. <laughs> yeah, follow the, follow the plot, Juice. <laughs> but your body, I don't think your body cares to digest that for you. I mean, it was just, it was causing a lot of problems. I guess all of that cereal, I mean, I had to power through. What was the alternative? Not eat the cereal? Not eating the yeah, frosted yeah, mini yeah. yeah. You have all, are you talking in the scopes of bowls or boxes? Like you had to power through because you had all these boxes of frosted mini Yeah, I have boxes, boxes and boxes. You could just not eat the, or give them to somebody or distribute them amongst your friends. What he's no, gonna, uh, he's gonna curse somebody else with this terrible debilitating Right, disorder? and we're so. also in the heart of pandemic country. You yeah. think I'm just going to share cereal? Uh, that doesn't seem smart. Yeah, who's going to be like, uh, ha- so how'd you get COVID? I went over to my friend, my broken friend Russ's house to take all his cereal from him, and I got the COVID that way. <laughs> I had shame to, that would be. I had to get a nose camera procedure done during this wonderful quarantine as well, Russ, and uh, before I could get it done, I had to get a COVID test. Mm. And it was a drive-through thing, so like a a woman in full like protective gear came to my window, rolled down my w- window, and like jammed this thing up my nose. And she pulled it out, and she looked at me, and she said, um, "Oh, I got a little boogie on there." And I wanted to be like, "I'm 33. You can't, <laughs> you can't talk to me like that. I'm a grown adult man. It's a big boogie. It's a man's boogie. This is probably our grossest intro yet." My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. Red 3, Griffin McElroy, reporting in for the best game of the week and information. My name is Russ Rushing, and I know the best stars of the week. Gwyneth Paltrow is one of them. (laughs) Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. Uh, This is a game of the year show that goes all year long. It's like a book club for video games. We are uh, so happy to be back with you in this sort of uh, the games are back, folks. We had a little bit dry spot, but boy, howdy, the games are here and they are uh, playable. Now, the the four of us were doing a strafing run on a Star Destroyer. Chris Plant's A Wing got blown right out of the sky, so he's <laughs> he got blown up. So that's why a he's lot not of Chris Plants died to bring us this op- episode of podcast. Well, he's in that tube, that like blue tube that Lou Skywalker goes into to like heal up. So he'll probably be back in the near future. But for this episode, he's in the tube. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Russ? Why it's Star Wars Squadrons? What's that? Star Wars Squadrons is a space flight sim from the folks at EA Motive. Um, it basically comes in the vein of 
old school flight sims like X-Wing and TIE Fighter. If you've never played a space flight sim before, you fly through space and shoot bad guys and sometimes good guys in this case. Um, This game uh, is sort of a throwback to that era and uh, has caused a lot of people to go out and buy flight sticks for the first time in 30 years. Big big year for flight sticks. It is. It is a big year. Uh, so we'll be back to talk about this very soon, but uh, until then, stay tuned. We promise that this episode won't make you yaw. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, it's no Star Wars Episode One Battle for Naboo for the Nintendo 64. <laughs> Let's no start off by Star saying Star Wars that. Episode One Podcast Racer. Uh, that yes, that too. Um, I th- th- so the three of us podcast very- racer was not the name of that. It it's was episode one racer, not <laughs> podcast racer. That was a good game, actually. That game was sick as hell. Yeah, uh, it actually had- isn't one of- as good as that. There was a church camp that I used to go to that had uh, a pod racer arcade machine, like in the cafeteria. Mm. And while I maybe didn't get a lot out of the some of the programming at this event uh the pod racing was pretty tight do you think that's like a donation thing like how much of their donations went to just paying for the pod racing stand-up arcade i mean you had to pay money to go to church camp russ i know that this is probably an alien concept but you did have to you did there was an entry fee Okay, so so what percentage of your entry fee went to paying for the? It was not racing? a very well maintained arcade machine, so I'm going to guess not, not very okay. much. Uh, we've immediately gotten off track. This is kind of an interesting. Um, it's not. It's not technically a franchise, right? But there is like, there is very clearly a lineage here of Star Wars flight games. Yeah, There's, you know, uh, do do either of you have sort of experience going in with? Yes. With uh, this this subgenre. Yeah, I don't have the years in front of me, but I can give you ballpark years. I mean, it was a weirdly condensed, it was like late 90s, early aughts. Like there was like a five year window there where there were Star Wars flight games coming out every single, like two a year. Like it a was wild. on a, Yeah. It, it, so it was in the heart of the 90s, and it started with X Wing, um, which uh, was effectively, you know, a, a traditional flight sim with like a narrative about how you're an X Wing pilot. And you go and fight the Empire and blah, 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 blah. You know, pretty standard stuff. Uh, That was followed up with TIE Fighter, where same idea, but in this case, obviously, you're uh, fighting for the Empire. I think in both cases, actually, it was like, narratively, they were very strong, interesting games. And the fact that they came out when they did meant you had like 3D games before 3D games were really a thing, or at least not super popular, because they didn't have environments, right? It was just in space. So you could really do a lot if you were just having these like little models flying around the screen. So after those two, there was uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and X-Wing Alliance. And I think that was basically the end of this like run. It was like those four games. Uh, And they all basically followed the same model. Um, And I think this game is uh, very much comes from that 
uh, lineage. Well, there was yeah, also, the, also rogue, the rogue squadron, rogue squadron right. trilogy, um, which was its own sort of. Th- it was its own sort of thing, right? Like X Wing. It, it, it's so funny because I feel like you do. If you look back at both of those like uh, f- sub franchises, the Rogue Squadron and the uh, the X Wing Tie Fighter thing. Like X Wing Tie Fighter was more simmy mm-hmm. while Rogue Squadron was a bit more arcadey and I think Star Wars Squadrons like actually splits the difference between the two of them like r- really very well um uh, but I, I didn't have a lot of experience with those and I will admit to like not this is not my like particular cup of tea but this is also one of those cases where I recognize that I, I, I this is a a quality a quality title uh, from those those game wizards at Electronic Arts Entertainment. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I, here's how what I will say: I do not think any sort of awareness of those previous games are is necessary. No, it is it is very light in terms of hardcore. I'm sure you could get more hardcore with it. Um, there are definitely options for that. Um, I I would say that though it's pretty basic. I mean, in terms of what you have the flexibility to do, you're the, the only sort of uh, real nuance is sort of diverting power between three systems, which is your shields, your um, blasters, and speed slash maneuverability, um, where you can just hit a button on the D-pad and you sort of put more energy into those systems that make you faster or make your guns shoot better or make your shields better. You can also change the direction of your shields sort of on the fly. So if you've got uh, bad people behind you, um, you can you can take them out that way. Uh, I will say this wasn't really clicking for me at first, um, because it's very, it's kind of a slow starter. I would say mm-hmm. the 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 sort of dog fights are ve- at the beginning are very simplistic. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of like follow me to this place over here. Um, but once you get and and there also wasn't that much need to uh, sort of explore these more advanced systems. Um, but I will say like as you get further into the the campaign and as you uh, the, these battles start to take on a bigger scale, you really do need to lean into those systems. And it feels good. Like, it feels yeah. good to need to catch somebody and you switch full power to, to speed to catch them. And then you switch to your, you know, guns to to blast them. And, like, zipping around through... The mission where it really got me was I had to, like, defend these two, a bunch of Y-Wings uh, and chase down some TIE fighters that were trying to blow them up and I was like slipping in between a huge chunks of debris mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it felt cool like yeah. it felt like really really neat and grounded in in a way that like space combat games aren't aren't typically yeah uh, it for me it didn't really click until I got into the multiplayer which I am absolutely dog shit at but uh, I've never had so much fun playing something that I am so terrible at uh, my KD race is uh, <laughs> an absolute an absolute joke in these matches uh, but all of those all that stuff like Justin said it's really your your piloting comes down to how you push power to various systems stuff like your your aim and which like uh things you have slotted into your loadout things like repair droids or uh missiles or uh i I think there's like a turret type thing uh you can like switch between those at will and then there's also your throttle which you can like burst to full if you want to catch up with somebody or you can drop down to zero if you want extra maneuverability Mm -hmm. so like it's very arcadey in that sense that like it seems like you have a very limited list of things that you can do but when you are in a match with four other pilots uh, against five enemy pilots all using these same systems in a you know fully 3d space like the complexity of those systems and the skill ceiling of those systems becomes immediately apparent when you get like fully shit on but it does make those instances where you utilize the systems to their like intended zenith like so 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 good uh and the the knowing that you have like outflanked an actual human being in a dogfight is for me like way more the campaign did very little for me i think it is has great production values and Mm. there's like great voice acting and like you said like there's really cool set pieces but for me the multiplayer is like absolutely where it's at yeah i was able to do a, a a match with like four other people uh from work and so we were all on comms and like coordinating and stuff like that. And it really is pretty incredible 
on that front. It's also, I think, a lot more approachable than like most normal flight sim multiplayer yeah. games to the point where like you can be kind of terrible and still contribute, uh, which makes a big difference. Um, I think, um, yeah, I'd agree with a lot of that stuff. I, you know, I, Griffin earlier said that it kind of splits the difference. I think this between arcade and sim, I think this is about as simmy as the other games got, to be honest. Like mm. you really are that like power shifting and shifting shields is constant and requires like a lot of spinning, spinning plates. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a pick up and play kind of thing unless you were to, you know, dial down the difficulty all the way to the bottom and you kind of don't need to worry about any of that stuff. I may just still have the taste of Microsoft Flight Simulator in my mouth. <laughs> like, I think I, I yeah. think I just played this and recognized, like, they could go a lot wilder with this. Uh, I don't have, there's no flap adjustment on, on right. your A-Wing. Not having to deal with gravity helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's some interesting stuff they're doing with um, storytelling that I feel like could be executed a little better, but um, they give you the interesting option to like talk to your crewmates in between missions. Like you're sort of, it's not like a fully realized, like walking around free roam type world, but Mm -hmm. you're in the hangar and you can look around at your different compatriots and they have different things to say. Uh, And they have some really good looking like facial animations and it's well rendered and well performed and well written, I would say. Yeah. Um, But it, and it, and it's a cool thought because it really gives a little bit more, um, like it takes the rather than just a dot on your reticle, um, yeah. uh, you know, during a fight, it's like they're more fully realized characters. I wish that they had found a way to integrate it more into the like gameplay aspects because it really feels very separate sure. and a lot. And it's very much like, do you want to stop playing for a while to talk to people or would you rather play some more of the game? I wish there was a way where it could be like hand in hand a little bit more um the briefings i will say are, are, are really so cool, cool. Yeah. yeah they're so cool and there's one of the very few like ever briefings in a game like this where i'm like okay now this is where we're gonna go and you can see it because it's 3d and they're walking you through it and you can go step by step and flip back and forth between the plans like it really does actually prepare you better for the mission because you know these ships you know what they look like right so if they're saying like this is the weak spot on this mm-hmm. thing this is what you need to target you can actually find it while you're playing now of course they will auto target it for you on the hud or whatever but like you can the the briefings were like actually did prepare you for for what was going to happen, which I thought was a really cool touch. Who is making these PowerPoint presentations? I don't know. Probably Mon Mothma. Han, Han Solo. Han Solo really? is probably. You think going... they have that sort of time on their hands? To yeah, just, maybe. Like, dive in. I think that uh, it it simulates for me. Obviously, I think we're all talking about it, right? Like we don't have necessarily an affinity for the the old X Wing Tie Fighter games, but there is so much just like endemic star wars knowledge that Mm. going into this game like uh the when you're playing as the rebel alliance you can play as as you actually have to play as both factions the the rebel alliance and the empire throughout this campaign and each one has uh four ships that you can that you can pilot uh which some missions let you play as specific ones and give you a certain level of customization but when you're in multiplayer you basically get to pick whatever you want and outfit it however you want and you know when you're when you're playing for the empire it's different tie there's like a tie interceptor and a tie fighter and all those but when you're playing as the the rebels it's a, a Y wing an a wing an x wing and uh uh i forget what the other one's B-wing, called wing anything u wing I don't know. It's but like it's a Patrick Ewing. It's <laughs> but like when buffalo I buffalo wing. I think it's it a buffalo be, wing. When you see those options, though, like when I saw that I could fly an A wing, that was always like my favorite Star Wars ship, and I got so stoked. When you do the the briefings and you're standing around the hollow table and you're like seeing where like the briefings took place in 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 Star Wars, you know, every Star Wars movie. Like this simulates I feel like we've had so many games that simulates like being a Jedi and what the mm-hmm. Jedi experience is like to varying degrees of success. And what's great about this game and I'm sure other you, you know games in the the TIE Fighter X-Wing like series is that it simulates a different part of the Star Wars universe, which I always yeah. like really 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 dig because there's a, a lot more cool shit in the universe than just like, you know, lightsabers and stuff. I want to talk about two other quick things. Uh, one first one is I did have some bugs while I was playing. Um, uh, two, two of which like both of which like stopped my progress uh, while I was playing. 
The first was while I was supposed to be my leader, Gunny, our leader of the unit, Gunny was like, follow me. And I followed Gunny. And then she eventually started doing donuts around me. (laughs) So I followed her while she was circling me over and over and over again. And then another ship from our fleet just came out of nowhere and like drilled her and sent her spinning. And then she zipped back to me and we just circled each other until I eventually rebooted my computer. And that (laughs) seemed to fix it. Uh, The other one was I was learning how to drift. Oh, Oh, yeah. And it froze when I went went right at the exact moment um, where it was telling me how to do the maneuver. And this happened repeatedly. And it was so cruel to let me, they know how I feel about drifting, to let me get that close to drifting and then to yank it away from me. I literally could not progress past that point. Like I could not, it was miserable. Brutal. Um, So something to be considered about. Russ, I would love for you and I to address (laughs) uh, the VR component. You know, I thought- Griff, did you try it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's sick. Okay, I thought my weak little tummy had stopped being the focus of this episode, but you know what is gonna come back with a vengeance right here uh vr in this game is incredibly incredibly cool uh the, yes. that first 30 seconds of you being in the cockpit and you're flying around and you look at your buddies and they're on your wing and it's amazing it actually heightens play i mean it oh, actually yeah. heightens the experience i mean beyond just like being immersive and cool as hell uh it's integrated in a really smart way where like i i don't know how you did it but like i just kept playing with the controller yeah and i just was strapped into my vr headset sitting in front of my computer so i could look all around the ship uh and it really does give you better situational awareness Mm -hmm. better sense of speed i think of how fast you're moving through the world all that stuff like very very cool and and it it was designed for sorry you mentioned like being in the the hangar and like talking to people you can't move it's just like a Mm -hmm. still like you can't move your character. You just look around the hangar and if you see an NPC, you can turn and look at them and click a button and then you'll talk to them. That was so clearly designed for VR. Like yeah. the yeah. game was designed for VR from from the ground up, it seems like. For sure. And also just like the nature of like tracking enemies, like it's actually a massive advantage in multiplayer because you can track a target above you or below you where ordinarily you couldn't. Right. Now, with all that said, uh, the first 30 seconds in VR for me was very, very cool. About 10 minutes in is where things started to go a little awry. Um, I can't play more than 10 minutes of VR in this game because it is far too much for my delicate tummy to withstand. Um, I think the the turning point, if you will, was the like changing the yaw when you like spin your ship to do like yeah. a barrel roll was like, nope. Big nope, <laughs> not happening. Uh, and I and I literally had to stop. And I've I've tried it one other time. And again, ten minutes in, it was just not for me. So it definitely is for VR experts only. I got lot. It was I'm I have a pretty strong stomach when it comes to that stuff. After about mm, forty five minutes of it, I was like, "That's pretty good." Forty five minutes. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. I will say, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily play the whole game like this. No, it's like. It's very cool to see, though, and, like, fun and short. If you're just going to do it in short bursts, like, great. I just want to play a bunch of it, you know, before this episode. But, like, um, a very cool way to enjoy it. But not – but uh, I said it was designed from the ground up for VR. It's far from necessary because I have I, – no. I never get nauseous or have any sort of mm. problems like that with VR. But, like, eventually I just started playing it on my TV because the headset – is uncomfortable <laughs> like i don't yeah, like having yeah, that stress it's it's a comfort thing and not like a nausea thing uh and it's it's totally fine to play it without someone did make an interesting point on twitter saying that the empire is like at a massive disadvantage because if you're in a tie fighter you can't look up which is a pretty fair point there's so there's a weird asymmetry there so we we mentioned shields uh empire ships don't have shields they just have stronger hulls so there is there is like an a, a pretty big like conceptual difference the, the the ships really do feel very very different uh mm-hmm. both between the different factions and between the different ships if you're flying an x-wing you know you're you're in a pretty standard fighter jet but if you're in an a-wing you know you can take maybe two hits before you go down but you are yeah. like a mosquito like zipping around the battlefield um yeah i i do wish there was a little bit more meat to the 
like progression system of the game. Like it is, it is very focused in what it is doing to the game's benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's like a ranking system, but there's a leveling system where you can unlock these points that you can spend to buy different uh, loadout additions. Like I said, like different lasers. There's like a burst laser that you can. Uh, that you have to be a little bit more accurate with, or there's a you know different sort of torpedo options, uh, or different like utility slot options. But there's not like a ton of those like it's yeah. not like uh no, it's not yeah. like call of duty where like you're unlocking all these different weapons and then you're unlocking different attachments and then you're you know tweaking here and there um and you don't necessarily have a great sense going into a mission what would be the best loadout for any mm-hmm. given scenario i mean it's it's much more a sense of uh taste uh i will say to that point you one of the things you can have in your loadout is a uh sort of a missile interceptor if you're getting hit by a missile it's basically like kind of a flare that will distract a missile but uh the main way that you uh, avoid missiles in this game and I wish every game did this where if you see you're getting targeted by a missile you just drive all crazy <laughs> yeah, and, that's then, it. And, the, and then you'll lose it and I'd, that's great what that's fantastic or in multiplayer I think uh, all the maps except for one I forget the one there's one multiplayer map that has nothing it's just like you're you're flying over like Yavin or something like that mm-hmm. and there's it's just open space and that app sucks <laughs> because <laughs> the best shit is like when somebody's targeting you with a missile and you get the little prompt like you are being targeted by a missile and then you just sort of like zoom between two big broken pieces of Star Destroyer and it like the missile bounces off of it and explodes it is there are so many cool Juice was talking about like you not knowing which loadout to bring into which mission. That is completely ameliorated in multiplayer, where you mm-hmm. figure out very quickly like what shit you like, and then you just get good with it. Yeah. And it is um, it is very satisfying. I have not played nearly enough multiplayer. I like that is the thing of the game that has hooked me in a way that I did not necessarily expect. And I would be really curious to play it with other people on comms, like actually you know working together because there's uh there's five on five dogfight and then there's like a bigger i think 10 on 10 objective based mode that like Uh, yeah just feels impossible without some sort of like communication but Mm -hmm. yeah also impressive they made the like and this is a this is a very uh i don't know uh trite point but like they made a star wars game with like about a bunch of bullshit in it and that is, I feel like, maybe maybe we've set the bar a little bit too low that I feel like that is a, an accomplishment in and of itself. But this I is kind of want to know what the, what's the bullshit that you're talking about. I, I mean, there's no, like, I mean, there's no, on the, the service level, like, there's no microtransactions, sure. and I feel like that is still a, a, a wild accomplishment for EA. But there's also, like, okay, there's not a ton of things to unlock in the progression, but, like, there's also not a ton of, like, unnecessary, fluffy, like, what extra 0.05% by using yeah. this Star Wars card that has, you know, uh, Greedo on it. Like that <laughs> shit is like so prevalent in so many games. And uh, this, this game is not like about that. Like you can get the loadout you want pretty easily. And then it's just you getting in fun dog fights, uh, which is, it, it doesn't have as long a tail because it is not designed to have as long a tail. But, and that's, great because not every game has to have a collectible card game shit in it um let's uh let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about more related and unrelated stuff <laughs> you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, 
Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. I wasn't kidding about the games. They are here. They are prevalent. Uh, they are fun. As, as, I'll just say it. I like video games. Wow. I just finished Ori and the Bl- uh, Will of the Wisps. What'd you think? Uh, on the Switch. Can, can I take a little trip back in time? Because I remember yeah. when you guys, and I want to say it was when Elise guested, um, but I feel like you guys were talking about Ori 2 and you were kind of dunking on it saying like oh it's boring or oh, I don't care about this owl that's a little cute little owl and I I hadn't played it at the time so I didn't fight back but I've now since played it and holy shit what a cold heart you must have had at that time I don't remember what I said I say a lot of fucking things the <laughs> truth of the matter is I played maybe five minutes of it on PC and it was just not the right platform for it no. Switch however is the perfect platform for it uh, aside from like some some glitchy hitchiness uh, from time to time, um, it s- runs. I, I, would, I shouldn't say glitchy hitchiness. It runs smooth. I had some crashes. Yeah, yeah. But like it 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 runs very well uh, when you play it. And man, it's just like very clear Metroidvania style uh, action. They've done away with a lot of the more uh, esoteric elements, like creating your own safe right, and yeah. things like that. It's very uh, organic how that stuff happens and it just feels great it feels like like fight like fighting a bunch of stuff feels great getting around the world is like so fun because you have six or seven different locomotive abilities you can chain together um it it feels like there are so many different options for that stuff where like you start to feel like you are exploiting it Yes, uh, because there's so much. And you in can. There. Like, there, there are so many yeah. skips that you can do. Like if you lure, you get an ability that lets you basically launch off an enemy. Like if an enemy gets too close, you hold in this button, it goes into slow motion time, and then you can aim where you go and where the enemy launches to. You can also do that, that off projectiles. So there's so many instances where there's like, oh, you're not supposed to be able to get to that area until you get the double jump or whatever, but. Mm-hmm you can do it. If you like lure an enemy there, which is not hard and then launch off of them, like you're, you're there. It feels so like, uh, like uh, intoxicating to feel like you're cheating the system. It also has a very cool way of making actual like main critical path stuff have to chain a bunch of weird abilities together in a way that doesn't make sense. Like it really does give you that mode of like, certainly you don't want me to, Oh, you do. Okay, you do want me to reflect this missile down into a portal, follow the missile into the portal, then jump on the missile and redirect it down a different portal so I can blow the gate up. Like, you really... Okay, so that's the actual thing you want me to do. Uh, So when you figure that out and when you actually execute on it, it feels great. It is fantastic. I actually got some, um, like, kind of Breath of the Wild vibes from it in terms of the structure because they basically give you your core abilities relatively early on. You know, you get your double jump, you get your launch ability, et cetera. And a lot of the, like, you know, latter half of the game, you're kind of, like, free running with those abilities 
and having to explore deeper in the world, you do get more abilities on top of that. But generally speaking, you have the bulk of your abilities and you have to use those in like really creative ways to solve puzzles. And um, I, I found that to be in contrast to Ori 1, which is also a game I loved. But that was a game that was very directed. Uh, it was very like you go here next kind of thing. Whereas this, I really feel like I have a lot more freedom in terms of where I go. It's also, it's just more fun. Like Ori yeah. 1 was a great game, but it was also like a, it was a more contemplative, innovative sort of Metroidvania. This one is a more straight down the plate, but like the flow of this game is un unbelievable. I, I was absolutely obsessed with this game for the, the period of time when I was playing it on Switch. And I think it's a sleeper like game of the year yeah. contender absolutely i think everybody should should play it yeah um, immensely playable immensely yeah. playable i uh i recently uh, i talked about it for like a second i actually talked about how i wanted to play it last episode uh and then i downloaded it that night and i think finished it over a like breathless three-day period was a uh, paradise killer uh, which Chris Plan I know is very enthusiastic about. It's a shame that he's not here. If I can sell Paradise Killer in two minutes, uh, it is a vaporwave detective story in the vein of Danganronpa and uh, Phoenix Wright, where mm -hmm. you are on this island that is an artificial island created by basically a cult who kidnaps human beings and puts them in this like psychic paradise island to generate psychic energy to revive dead space gods uh and then uh in this artificial island all of the leaders of it are murdered in this one heinous act and you play as lady love dies who is a uh, a detective who has been exiled from the island after being after sort of opening the gateway to to this horrible demon uh event uh, and you are brought back into the fold and you have to like figure out what happened by going around and finding clues and piecing together all of these things and talking to all these really awesome NPCs. Uh, and it is with names like with names like uh, Lydia, Dr. Doom Jazz, Dr. Doom Jazz, Lydia Daybreak, uh, Carmelina Silence, <laughs> The Witness to the End, <laughs> Crimson Acid. Uh, they are all super, super memorable. And there's, unlike a Phoenix Wright game and unlike Danigon Rompa, which has like a series of murders that you have to solve, there's just one. There's like one case that you have to solve. So you go around this huge open world finding clues and trying to find this very, very, very intricate, intricate web between people and like breaking alibis. But it's not like, it's not like the game is... Nothing is force-fed to you. It's not like, oh, if you find the knife, then you can start the trial. There's just mm -hmm. one trial. You can start it whenever you want, and then you have to figure out your own sort of justice. Uh, and after I beat it, I went online and found out, like, other people had found other, like, had convicted other people, had other things. It is, a, it is way more open-ended than any of those games. But the big thing is the, the aesthetic and story of the game. Like, it deals with... Uh, all of these people like Dr. Doom Jazz and Crimson Acid, who's like a pop idol whose head was replaced with a like a deer's head. Like it has all these, this wild shit, but it contextualizes it through like, yeah, we're immortal. We've been alive for millions and millions of years. So we made it insane. Yeah, we're, it's, it's wild. Weird. Like, everything is fucking weird. Now we, we worship these uh, horrifying astral gods. So like, yeah, everybody on this island fucks. Like, yeah. But the practicality of the mystery is very mundane. Which is interesting as an interesting counterpoint to like, yeah. Anyway, we're all immortal sky gods, and we get high off the souls of chaos or whatever. And the door was locked between nine and nine o three p.m. So <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I will say this: that it uh, it was a slow burn for me to get into it. Uh, as cool as the aesthetics are, the it takes at first. It just seems like a bunch of nonsense, like because everything is so. Uh, they throw so much at you at once that you really have to start like, and getting around the island is kind of arduous, uh, but you have to, once you start meeting characters and fix them in your mind, then I think a lot of the pieces start to to really come together and congeal. Um, it's a very cool thing. Like Obra Dinn, also you have a really good method of tracking all of your clues and things. You have a, a computer called Starlight 
that whenever you find something, it will file it into the different sort of cases. There's like eight sort of sub-mysteries within this murder that you're trying to like piece together. But it will also file it under the, the... There's only like 10 characters in the game and it will file clues under them as well. So like if you talk to Dr. Doom Jazz and he gives you an alibi breaker for Lydia Daybreak, then you see that under her file. So it like categorizes everything really, really neatly. And you have a list of leads too. So it's like, hey, I heard that Lydia and Sam were hanging out by the beach a lot. Uh, I should go check that out. And you know to go there and look for clues so that you Mm. feel like when you go to trial, like you feel ready um it is i've never played a game quite like it it is it is really 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 very neat Uh, i would also reference deadly premonition uh, deadly premonition yeah like in that sort of aesthetic vein if you like that you might like Uh, this it is on pc but it is also on switch that is where i that is where i played it uh and it runs just fine on switch quick plug i want to do one more uh for me the solitaire conspiracy which is the new joint by biffle oh yeah as, as mike biffle has always called it a biffle joint as he always says um, this is the creator of John Wick Hex, Quarantine Circular, Subsurface Circular, those sort of like, and he does shorts, which is cool. Um, but this new one is called Solitaire Conspiracy. And here's what's up. You are, a, it is a, it is an FMV Sega CD ass game, which feels like a modernized one of those where you have a, uh, a FMV direct address sort of like partner who is like hey you're the only one who can help me it's very uh double switch very night trap like hey you're the only one who can help me i've woken you up i need you to shut down this thing to reconnect my power it's and it's uh greg uh it's game over greggy greg miller is your is your like partner and guide who's talking to you which i adore greg so that's very very fun uh and the main way that you play and interact with the game the only way is by playing solitaire and the the type of solitaire that they have is your each suit of cards represents which cards is an acronym by the way and it addresses how you're supposed to give orders to these crews each suit of cards is a different crew and the the face cards of each of these crews have different powers so there's one crew that will that is like a exfiltration kind of fast and furious style thing where if you play uh, one of their face cards on a stack, it will find the next card that you need to play in your solitaire game and zip them out and extract them in. There's one that like uh, is a, has an ability called nepotism where they reorder the cards in a stack when you play them to, uh, highest to lowest to make it easier for you to and each of the different gangs or crews have these different abilities and you go when you go and there's always like two paragraphs of story flavor text as to like what this mission is and it's like you're going to get in you're going to we're starting an underground fighting league and you're going to cover the this one gang and these other uh, humanism plus is going to be uh, selling some of these nano machines, and it's like all this description of what the quest is, and it's like then you play solitaire <laughs> every single time. It does not matter. It, it is so funny, um, and I don't know. It's just very neat. At first, the solitaire is like bone easy, like absolutely, like bone I don't even know why easy, you use these powers. Bone easy mm. is a new one I came up with just now. Like it. Uh, at first, it's incredibly easy, and then all of a sudden, you're dealing with four different suits. And you can't get to the car. You see where all the cards are. So you know what you need to get to. But uh, it's a lot of like moving them around and as few moves as possible. And like really puzzle game Eliza's solitaire. Um, <laughs> it's a short. It's 10 bucks. It's on Steam and Epic. He makes great uh, games. So I, I, I he makes great games. You'll love this playing. game. It, it's it's great. It's great. Well written. And props to Greg Miller. The next uh, uh, Nolan North <laughs> Troy Baker uh, oh I just wanted to say I, I recently discovered Steam Link on my phone and it works so fucking good I played a lot of No Man's Sky on it just plug it into DualShock 4 controller and just go, in, go into town but the game I've been really getting into is Monster Train Justin it's a good one Thank you for thank you. yeah fuck it's, really it's so good it's real I good I'll play it I know we've you can play it you can play it Steam Link on your phone I, I I think it's a really great fit for iOS and I'd be surprised if it doesn't come there natively but like being it's, it's the best you can play it really easy on your phone with Steam Link and uh, I'm like 
I'm all about it. There's so much depth there. There's so much like, I thought it was not going to be anything more than Griftlands and Slay the Spire have already kind of given me, but there, there are. And what a delight that would have been if it was only that, because those are two other fucking, fucking great games. Yeah. Excellent games. It's really cool. And it has enough to kind of set it apart from those. And it has its own, own niche. And it's one of those like games that I played a lot. And then I would kind of have dream strategies at night like <laughs> oh well if i could upgrade that to six pips then i could put two of the hollows together it's it's it is really good oh uh, to be a fly on the wall of griffin's dreams oh man it's <laughs> fucked up i did so much terraforming in animal crossing i've decided to destroy my whole island and then like last night i was dreaming about making curved edges oh, on like cliff no. sides and stuff it's yeah my brain is a, a, a tangled web uh, should we dive into reader mail? Yes. Yes. Okay. Please. Before we do that, I wanted to uh, reach out to uh, our loyal, loyal, dedicated listeners, and um, uh, you know, I know we normally say this at the end of the show, but I'm going to do this right in the middle. Do do us a huge favor and and uh, share the show with people. Um, I uh, know it doesn't seem like it makes an impact. Uh, you know, we want this show to keep going and thriving and doing great, and and it has been doing great, but we obviously always have room to grow and find new folks to enjoy the show. So please uh, take a second if you can. Uh, the link is besties.fan. That's all you need to type into Twitter and that'll send people to the show. But please. Yeah, that'd be real cool of you. That would be real cool. Uh, okay, so we're going to get to reader mail from Jay Jasper. One, two, three. Uh, the only real criticism I've heard of the game, this is Star Wars Squadrons, is that you have to play as the bad guys attacking civilians. I finished the campaign and found that that didn't affect me. Did you find yourself wrestling with that? Does being Star Wars make a difference? Am I a monster? I think, is there, I'm going to ask a question. I'm kind of on uh, pins and needles here because I could be mm. really, uh, I don't know, outing myself as a monster, but like. I have seen Alderaan explode so many times <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I don't really, it. and I understand, I mean, we're talking about like what, terracide? I forget what it's called when you blow up an entire planet and everybody on it is, is killed. It's so bad. I feel like, but I feel like if you really tried to internalize that, nobody could make it through A New Hope. Like people, yeah. were there people in theaters seeing A New Hope and then, the Death Star blows up Alderaan, and people are like, "What the fuck? There were bi- you just killed billions of people <laughs> weeping like, in the seats." <laughs> I think you got it's so cartoonishly awful that I don't think you can even come close to internalizing it. So <laughs> that you extrapolate that by like you just don't care about a ship gets blo- bigs and wedge get blown out of the sky, and you're like, "Oh well, okay, yeah." yeah. If you look at like all of the Star Wars canon, Alderaan is that planet that got blown up by Darth Vader that's like you had to be watching that thing like man no one's gonna remember we had killer chili dogs <laughs> but Alderaan is just like they're only gonna remember that we got blown up I, re- I, uh, I pitched a I, I got asked like hey do you want to pitch a Star Wars uh, like young adult like comic series uh, after I did the the a certain point of view thing. And they're like, you can come up with whatever pitch you want. I was like, oh, hell yeah. What if I do a, bo- a book about uh, like a, a kid who was like off world when Alderaan got blown up? And like, what does it look like to like try and preserve the culture of your exploded planet and like preserve the history of it? And I pitched that <laughs> to Lucas, uh, to, to not LucasArts, whatever like, you know, uh, publishing house handles those books. And uh, <laughs> the person who offered me was like, uh, you know what, we're going to pass on this. It's pretty, <laughs> that would be pretty heinous, bud. That would be a little too dark for our uh, seven to 10 year olds that we want to read this book. Yeah, Darth Vader blew up a planet. Like, are we just going to pretend like it didn't happen? Yeah. Just because like Porky Pig dressed like Darth Vader one time, it doesn't mean that he didn't blow up a planet. Yeah. This sucks. I turned good. At the- I saw him as a little boy. He said wizard. Yeah, he blew up a planet. He blew up a whole fucking planet. But he killed the old wrinkly lightning man. Yeah, but he blew up a whole planet. It's actually wild that you get to see his ghost like chilling and watching his family. He should be burning in, in hell. Space hell. <laughs> he should be burning in space hell. Uh, Yeah. Okay, we have one last question. Uh, this is from Games and Culture. Uh, which Star Wars ship would you be happiest to swallow? Griffin? No, this isn't my thing anymore, man. I can't even, I can't, how dare you put that poison (laughs) back on my plate? 
Uh, I mean, let's rule, let's rule some out. It ain't an X wing. It ain't an X wing. One hundred percent, right? Sure. Like one hundred percent. Don't want to eat an X wing for sure. I don't. I think, yeah, I don't know that there's any. Uh, I, I, I. There's no. Are there any capsule shaped ships? Mm, I mean, Tie Fighter doesn't seem like it would be, or like maybe a Tie Advance with the rounded wings doesn't seem like it'd be that bad. Yeah, I don't know. I think Y Wing would be okay, even though it seems kind of bulky. If you did the pilot part first and then the yeah. back it's parts, like a, it's literally a wishbone. You're talking about eating a wish. Uh, there's, there's no way that's going to be a pleasant experience. I don't think there's any precedent of things going wrong when that happens. The Starfighter would not be bad. Like the sh- the, the little arrow shape. Oh, the Naboo. Like... <clears throat> no, no, no. The um, the one. It's a. Uh, it's the one from Jedi Starfighter. Um, Isn't that the oh, Naboo wait. Starfighter? I'm not a nerd, so I don't know what the. I don't know what the ships are called. The like, like yellow one, right? A nerd. Mm. I'm like kind of a jock, more of a jock, so I, <laughs> I don't actually know. But um, I think Slave One might be the most sort of. Oh yeah, that seems pretty doable. The uh, yeah, the most sort of pill-shaped vessel. Yeah, yeah. I'd eat the Death Star. Oh, that's it, right? If you could shrink yeah, Death I mean, Star it, down right? really, really tiny, it's basically a big skittle that blew up Alderaan and killed everybody <laughs> on it. <laughs> just, just want to remind everyone. <laughs> Next week we're really going to be talking about. Uh, we're opening the <laughs> don't lock the gates it's Baldur's Gate 3 uh, and we're gonna be uh, getting playing on that one hey Ru- so what kind of game is Baldur's Gate it's a CRPG it's a, it's like a isometric a Kerpig. what a Kerpig? it's a Kerpig. Uh, it's, it's the, like it's the same like RPG. it's it's the same developer it's Larian who made uh, Divinity 2 which is the best like one of the best RPGs ever made, and it's like in that cool. in that Sounds system, fun. but using D and D like rules and stuff. It's, it's hot, cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention uh, you should, uh, if you haven't yet. I feel like we're so many episodes in this season since we created the Twitter account, so it's hard to imagine people still listening to the show, not following the Twitter account. But you should. It's the besties pod at, on Twitter. Uh, go go uh, head on over there. Chris Plant drops all the questions. For the week, uh, so if you want to get your question in, you could you could uh, do it there. Any other business? Yeah, well, uh, if if you have thoughts on Baldur's Gate three or questions about what we thought, email us your your uh, your, your salient points, and you mm-hmm. can email us at. Mm, uh, and I'm opening my mouth, and then Russ's voice is going to come come out of it. Uh, it's mail at besties. Mail at besties. Dot fan. Uh, I think that's it. So that, yeah, it's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, so be sure to join us again next week for the besties because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games It's a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!